Hello and welcome to the Motor City Hoops Podcast. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops Podcast, I'm your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 Hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor to Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. Before we get into this final episode for the Motor City Hoops Podcast, I want to give you a preview of why this is the final episode. As most of you know by now, I'll be starting a new podcast backed by the Detroit Free Press, teaming up with their Detroit Pistons beat writer, Omari Sankofa II. The podcast will debut with its first episode on Tuesday, March 1st, and I wanted to play the trailer for The Pistons Pulse. What's up, Detroit Pistons and NBA fans, and welcome to Detroit Free Press's newest podcast, The Pistons Pulse, co-hosted by me, Bryce Simon of Motor City Hoops, a former D1 Hooper and 12-year high school coach, and my exciting new co-host. Hey, everyone. This is Omari Sanko for the second Detroit native and Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. Omari and I will be bringing you insightful analysis on the players, coaches, front office, games, and all the storylines around your Detroit Pistons in the NBA. Tune in to hear Omari bring insider insights and analysis as a Pistons beat writer and Detroit native. I've covered the Detroit Pistons for about two years, and I'm coming up on year four covering the NBA. And I would say just being a full-time beat writer, you really do get um, a great outlook on not only how you know NBA players think, how teams think, uh, but also the insight that you get just from being able to talk to players, uh, talk to people behind the scenes. It really gives you an overarching perspective on how the NBA operates. And I'm excited to have this podcast with Bryce, uh, who could give you the insight on uh, the player perspective a bit more as a former D1 player at American University and current high school coach for 12 years. Uh, he could tell you his stories about his interactions with Bruce Pearl and also just what it means to play the sport at a high level. Uh, Bryce, can you give the fans a little look into your experience playing against Blake Griffin? Yeah, so I don't want to spoil it too much. All I will say is we opened my senior year at Oklahoma. We walked into the gym about three hours before game time, and he was out there drenched in sweat doing an individual workout, obviously not taking us very serious. I walked into the gym, and I was never more intimidated by a player in my life. But I'll save the rest of that and my interactions with Bruce Pearl and more. Got plenty of stories from my playing days to share with you and what I think gives me a keen eye whenever we're watching these Pistons play. We'll have a new episode for you every Tuesday with special episodes around big games, free agency, and the draft. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and on all Freep social media. And you can follow me on Twitter at Motor City Hoops. So tune in Tuesday, March 1st for the first episode of the Pistons Post. That can be found anywhere you listen to your podcast and on Freep.com. And make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the first or any episode of the Pistons Pulse. We will talk to you soon. Wes and I greatly appreciate the opportunities afforded to us by Sean and Laz at Detroit Bad Boys, Mike Cleansing at Hoop Heads, which was our first network, and of course, Vlad Moldovanu, who started all of this before handing me the keys. And most of all, we want to thank our listeners for your support and interactions, and we really, really hope you will make the move to the Pistons Pulse with us on Tuesday. The trailer is out on all podcast platforms, so please go ahead and subscribe and follow so you don't miss a single episode. But before that, we have one more amazing guest joining us to send Motor City Hoops out the right way. And in my opinion, she's probably the best of the four Detroit Pistons beat riders. Covering our Pistons and other sports for the amazing M Live, Lauren L. Williams. Lauren, welcome to Motor City Hoops and thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's a real honor. 
Now, I'm so excited for this episode. We've had this in the works for, for a while now. And I'm just, I, I, we were talking about it before the episode. I am juiced that, that I get to send Motor City Hoops podcast out with you recording. And I first, I want to get your story, Lauren. And like, wh- where did you go to college? Were you a player? How did you start covering the Pistons? Like, I want to know, and I know the listeners want to know, like, what's your story? What's your backstory? So I guess I can take it all the way back to the beginning. I'm sure you've seen the little Jamaican flag in my Twitter bio. So I was born in Jamaica. I lived there until I was 10. And then I moved to the U.S. And, you know, I just kind of moved my way up the East Coast. Uh, First, I went to boarding school in Tennessee. Then I went to undergraduate school college at Mount Holyoke. Um, It's right outside of Amherst. So if anybody knows, you know, Amherst, Massachusetts, Mount Holyoke is about 30 minutes away from there. And then for grad school, I went to Syracuse, um, you know, the Newhouse School of Public Communications. Uh, You know, Bob Costas went there, Mike Tirico. And I'm sure if there's somebody on any sports channel, they likely went to Syracuse. So it's probably one of the best journalism schools in the country, if not the best. (laughs) Um, Then I took a very small or short internship with, it's not around anymore, but it used to be scout.com covering, you know, football recruiting of high school students. And then I got my first job with the Patriots covering the lifestyle of players off the field. So I did that part-time while also teaching swim lessons to, to little kids. And then I got my big girl job here in, in Michigan at M Live. I started out covering the Lions. And then when the pandemic hit, they were like, we don't need three beat writers. So how about we move you to the Pistons with Ansar Khan, who was covering the Red Wings at the time. And now I'm covering the Pistons solo. I'm here. No, and you're doing an amazing job. I got to, because you brought up the New England Patriots. So I have to ask, like, what was that like? What, uh, we don't, you don't have to share a bunch of stories or whatever, but like, what, what was it like? You know, you, you say you're doing stories away, uh, like off the field. So what, can, just give us a little insight into maybe what a story was like or what you got the insights to. So just like the Pistons here and, you know, almost any other professional sports team, they love to do work in the community. Um, so probably one of my favorite stories that I worked on was just getting to spend time with Deron Harmon at one of, uh, and Deron Harmon, of course, he played safety here for the Lions for one year. Um, so he was just one of the nicest people that I've ever met. Uh, his mom's a teacher, so elementary education was just something that was near and dear to his heart. And he was probably one of the most engaging players that I've gotten a chance to talk to. So I want to ask, where did your love for sports come? Like, was it like a journalism thing? You knew you wanted to be a writer. Did you always know you wanted to cover sports? And if so, where did that love for sports come from? So I've been an athlete my entire life. Um, I swam. I didn't hoop. I know it's a little (laughs) bit of a disappointment. I tried it out and it just didn't stick. Um, But I, I, I loved watching it. And, you know, my love of it 
grew as I got older just because I I was able to gain a little bit more appreciation for it. Because when you're younger, you don't really, you know, you're not really watching the little things. Um, And so sometimes when you're not watching those little things, the little strategic things that coaches do throughout the game, you don't have an appreciation for like the little pieces of the chess match that happen. But now, of course, I do. So I I, I didn't actually want to do sports journalism um, for much of the time that I was growing up just because I, I just thought of it as a fun hobby. Um, and I had swimming to kind of lean back on to, to kind of fill my sports need. And I, again, like I said, I'd watch basketball on the side, but when I was a junior in college and, you know, my eligibility was kind of coming to an end, I realized that I didn't want to leave the sports world and, there wasn't really anything news-wise, politics-wise, even entertainment-wise that really grabbed me. And one of the pieces of advice that I got from one of my professors in uh, journalism school is to notice what lights you up. And so sports were the one thing that I always gravitated back to wanting to write about. And so I decided that you know Syracuse would probably be the best place for me to be to kind of hone my skills a little bit more because out of college, it's really hard to get an internship in sports journalism. It is so competitive. And so with Syracuse, I knew that I would be able to one practice my craft. Um, that means going to games, writing gamers, being out in the community, talking to the athletes, um, getting feedback from some of the greatest journalists in the country um, some of the greatest journalism who journalism people who have covered sports. So I mean, broadcasters, writers, um, podcasters, you name it. Uh, and then from there, it just kind of stuck that I knew that I wanted to cover kind of one of the big four, whether that was hockey, baseball, football, or basketball. And, you know, my one season covering the Lions kind of turned me off covering the NFL just because of the the grind of it. It's a different sort of grind compared to the NBA because in the NFL, you know, games are on a week to week basis. So I think the week would be kind of like Wednesday to Monday, if that makes sense, with Sunday obviously being the game day. So it was always the same formula. And I am not the type of person who likes to do repetitive things over and over and over again. So with basketball, things are always changing and moving. And the sport is so fast, especially when you're watching a game, that you kind of gain a new appreciation for for writing about the things that these players go through. So that's kind of why I, I think I enjoy covering the Pistons so much more. But also right now, they kind of have a little bit of a compelling story with kind of how Troy Weaver came in and just tore everything down and is trying to, as he says, restore it back to a championship contender. Absolutely. That's very interesting. Because, yeah, when you said it's a grind, I'm like, well, the NBA season kind of sounds like a grind. But then yeah, I, I can see that, you know, like it's the same routine of an NFL of, of an NFL season week to week. It's always the same where an NBA game, you know, like. On Saturday, when we're recording this, we got a noon game, you know, and then they play on Sunday and Monday off. So um, that's very interesting. But you brought up Troy Weaver. So let's get into the Pistons, Lauren, and the restoration. Let's start there. Let's just start there. What do you think about the state of the restoration with Troy Weaver right now? I, I I think that they're in a really good spot right now. Because if you consider where they were 
in 2019 or 2019, 2020, it's obviously a totally different team with a totally different goals. So the fact that Troy Weaver was able to come in, kind of completely overhaul the roster, and now they got the number one pick in the second quote unquote year of the restoration, that's huge. And I know Troy wanted to kind of temper expectations, you know, heading into the draft that Kate Cunningham wasn't going to be, you know, the guy that came in and saved the franchise or anything like that. But I'm, I would like to think that he's kind of coming pretty darn close with how well he's played, you know, in the 46, first 46, first 47 games of his career. Obviously, you know, he isn't the savior, but the fact that he has such a huge impact on, you know, the wins and losses that this team has, I think that's huge. So when you think about the pieces that they're going to try and add this offseason, they can only really go up from here, no? No, I agree. I I am with you. I, I'm excited about this offseason too because you have another, what's probably going to be another high draft pick. You have some calories, cap space. And I, I mean, I don't want to like throw, I'm not trying to talk bad about Jeremy Grant at all, but like you probably have a guy that you're going to trade. So like, what's the return in that trade? So there's like three huge moves. I, I guess they're huge. Three big moves that can be made this off season to make this roster better around Cade. And I'm glad you played right away because I, I am all in on Cade Cunningham. I have been from the start. I know the box scores don't always look great. I know the efficiency is not always great. I think what he does on the court and off is just absolutely incredible. I think he is an all-around player, and I think he's the, the face of the franchise. What impresses you the most about Kate Cunningham, whether it's on the court or off? I think it's something that's you can that sticks out about him both on and off the court. is one, of, And it's one of the things that a lot of scouts pointed to when they were evaluating him before the draft last year, right? His poise. I don't think I've ever met a 20-year-old that is so poised in my entire life. And and, I, and I'm not even saying that as somebody who's about to turn 30, but it's just I've worked with people his age, especially when I was teaching swim lessons, and he is by far one of the most eloquent, mature 20-year-olds that I've ever met. And he, he, every time he comes into uh, a post-game availability, regardless of whether they won or lost, it's always, Hey, how are you guys doing? How are, you know, he checks in with us. He realizes that, you know, the relationship between media and player is very important. And I don't say that just because I'm a media member, but the fact that he, he treats everyone with respect whether that's a five-year-old fan who wants an autograph from him really quick to his teammates, to media members who he obviously doesn't always want to talk to, you know, especially after a, to- a, a tough loss. It's, it's astounding. Yeah, like I, I was writing notes as you were talking about that and you literally said it as I was writing. Like I remember at Summer League, I went out to Summer League, uh, you know, to watch Kate Cunningham and he was the only player I remember signing autographs. And I know for some fans, it's probably like, you know, all they care about is what he does on the court. And I understand that I like, he has to be able to play too, but I'm like, there was something mature, like you said, about his presence. Like he just gets it. Even him embracing the city, Lauren, 
really stuck out to me. Like maybe it's not the biggest deal, but like he wanted the city to like get behind him. He wanted to be a part of the city. Now his trainers in on it, like all over Twitter. Like I just think that stuff matters. I really do. At the end of the day, he has to ball out, but I do think that stuff matters. And we've seen it. Like you say, on the court, you see it as well. Like he can have an awful first half and I'm like, oh my gosh, Kate is not playing well tonight. And then he bounces back every time. Like I'm not saying he's perfect. Obviously, they don't have very many wins, but it's just, it's everything you would want to see from a number one pick, in my opinion. I agree. And I think the thing, as we mentioned with the poise, it doesn't matter whether they're up 20, down 20. Um, He's always going to try and set his teammates up in the right position. And I think the fact that his court vision can, you know, you can really see how much he sees the floor and puts his teammates in the right situation to either chip away at deficits or try and hold on to the lead. Um, obviously, the Pistons haven't led in that many games this season so far. But, you know, I just, it's just, he has patience. And I think that that's something that the Pistons really valued with him when they were evaluating whether or not they wanted to draft him. Because restorations, rebuilds, whatever you want to call it, it's not easy to go through. And something that stuck out to me, and I, I'd asked Troy about this when we got a chance to talk to him after the trade deadline. And I was like, what is it about this team? Whether, it, you know, what are the positives that have stuck out to you about this group of guys that you guys have, despite the wins and losses? And, you know, what he said, he was impressed with how much they maintained an even keel demeanor despite the fact that they had a losing record. And he was like, you don't really hear anything crazy coming out of Detroit. And I think that was one of the things that he really valued in the guys that he signed last year, as well as this year, is that, you know, they're grinders. They'll put their nose to the floor and they'll do what they can to to try and get this team back into the championship caliber that Troy wants it to be. So I I, I don't know. I just think that, you know, in a in a weird way, I do think Troy sold Cade a little short after they they drafted him, saying that he wouldn't be the savior because I think he's he's coming pretty darn close because he really is what the offense this team has flows through, and you know his his what's the word I'm looking for his uh, impact. It it's just it can't be understated. You really can see the difference when he's on the floor and when he's not. Absolutely. And I think that was very apparent on Saturday, you know, where the game we're recording after against the Celtics, where, you know, if I had to have one major, if I have one major critique of Kate Cunningham right now, it's like, you got to stop fouling, young man. Like you, you have to realize how important your minutes on the floor are for this team. And when you have two, you can't reach. When you have four, you can't take a take foul in transition. Um, but like, if that's what we're, if we're, if that's what we're nitpicking right now, Lauren, with Cade Cunningham, 40, whatever game into his career I think the Pistons are in good shape you mentioned the trade you mentioned the trade deadline though I want to ask you about the move the Pistons made at the trade deadline and that was acquiring Marvin Bagley the third what what have you thought personally about his game through I think we've seen him for four games now and just kind of his fit with this team Honestly, I think that he's probably fit in a lot quicker than I anticipated him to um, the fact that he's already getting double digit points in, you know, three of the four games that he's already played so far. I think 
is a huge deal. And and I think it can show how much upside that he can have for this team, especially down down low. The fact that he can score at at least two of the three levels. Um, you know, the three ball is a little questionable, but he did hit one of them today. So that was definitely a plus. And I think in a way you could feel that the that his presence was missed a little bit when he went down with that ankle injury. I didn't see what play it happened on, but I just remember seeing him go to the locker room. And um, I think if they had him as an option in the fourth quarter down the stretch, I do think he could have played a huge part of just giving them some size that they needed, especially because, you know, Al Horford, he is a really gritty center. And I think you know, the fact that he and Isaiah Stewart were going at it down the stretch, I think, you know, it kind of wore the team out a little bit because they don't know who, you know, Jason or Jalen were going to go to unless they decided to take it themselves. So I really like his fit. I think that, you know, this team being a team that wants to be defensive minded will be a good fit for him um, to kind of help bring that side of his game along because as far as far as my impression of him so far I really like what he can give to this team offensively it's just defensively he needs to to show the small flashes that he showed I think today a little bit more consistently no I agree and that's the thing I think defensively he wants to be a good player I, I went immediately to a, a breakdown in an article when the Pistons traded for him and I was like it's not like he's not trying. Like there was this, he, he got this rep as like he doesn't care. Like, no, he's invested on the defensive end. Like he just either doesn't have the basketball IQ right now or the awareness or whatever it is. And he just ends up in the wrong spot or he's a half second late. I, I did want to ask about the injury. It looked like an ankle injury. I think it was one of the lobs that was thrown and I don't think it was converted. Uh, we're recording this not long after the game. Again, as I've mentioned a couple times, I don't mean to put you on the spot, Lauren, but did you did you guys get anything post-game in terms of an update on that injury with Marvin Bagley III? Uh, we didn't get a, t- get a chance to touch on it with Dwayne just because they were really trying to get out of there, you know, because they have to head to Charlotte tomorrow for, oh, sure, sure. for yeah. on Sunday. Um, but the fact that they had him as just questionable to return and then – Based on how the game was going, I think they decided to just say, all right, let's just nix this all together. I think, you know, that could be promising, um, that it might not be as serious, but we won't know until we see the injury report a little bit later um, tonight or tomorrow morning to kind of determine whether or not he'll play. Um, But yeah, I mean... I think it, I, 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 and going a little bit back to what we were talking about with what he can do offensively, the fact that he's one of those guys who's willing to go up and get it, I think is going to be a huge thing. So, you know, all we can do is hope that, you know, the ankle injury is something that's not too serious and he can, he can play tomorrow. I think they'll really need him. Agreed. And that's what, you know, I know that like small kind of nagging injuries was kind of another thing he had had a reputation for. Um, wouldn't it be shocking, you know, with them being on the road on Sunday in a back-to-back if he didn't play, but hopefully we'll see him again this coming week. I, I do want to talk about Isaiah Stewart. You mentioned him a little bit battling with Al Ford. I think Isaiah Stewart has really come into his own a little bit here the last month or so. I, not that he was playing bad at the beginning of the season, but I think he's, he's just found finding it. his footing. Yes, especially offensively. I first want to ask about the quote from Dwayne Casey in terms of saying that they've kind of shut down the three-point, the outside shooting stuff. 
What did you think about that when you heard Coach Casey say that, like, that, that we'll focus that in the offseason. Let's just focus on the interior. Did, do you agree with that? What did you think about that when you heard that? I think the fact that we haven't seen him take as many opportunities to to shoot from three is kind of indicative of where he is maybe a little bit confidence-wise as far as shooting the ball. Um, it's and, it, and it's not that he's not confident. That's not what I, I'm trying to say. I think it's just they want him to focus on his day job. I mean, he's been going up against some of, you know, the toughest centers in the league, toughest big guys in the league. And he's... He's their starter. He's only and he's only 20. I think a lot of people forget how young Isaiah Stewart is. I mean, he's not going to turn 21 until May. And he's already a starting center. I think that's indicative of how much of a good player he can be for this team. He just he just needs the time to develop each of his skill sets in kind of chunks, right? When you're you're teaching things, you don't want to f- give all of the information right away. Sometimes you have to break it down step by step by step, especially when you consider, you know, this is only his second year in the professional league and how fast the NBA plays and how strong, excuse me, how strong these centers are. So I think, I think that's actually a pretty good idea in terms of Casey having him focus on his day job because we've seen his rebounds just tick up and up and up and up. And, you know, I'm pretty sure he's been rebounding in double digits pretty much for the last few games. Actually, I just looked it up. He had a stretch where he was rebounding in double digits for five plus games, six plus games. Um, So, and they need that. That was one of the big things that they struggled with at the beginning of the season is the rebounding. So the fact that he's willing to, you know, get down and dirty and grimy and make everybody else's life easier, I think is is a good thing for this team in the long run. No, I agree. And I do think there's something important about him building some confidence here in this last stretch of the season, going into the off season. You know, I, I don't think it was wrong for you to say that like maybe he had lost a little confidence in the, like just as, for me as an outsider, somebody that watches every game from home, you know, it just, it looks like he questioned whether or not he should shoot it. And sometimes the better thing is, hey, let's shut it down for now, especially in a season where it's not that big of a deal. Let's go into the offseason, let him refine his groove and his rhythm and his confidence and, you know, come back next season, hopefully a little bit more able to do that. So I, I was fine when I heard that quote from Dwayne Agreed. Casey. And I just went to look back at his season last year and he didn't even really start shooting the ball consistently or making or trying attempts from distance consistently until about March of this of 2021. So I think it's safe to, you know, I think it's safe that he's, you know, going to either maybe start ramping that up if the opportunity presents himself, because Dwayne has said that Isaiah has the green light to take the three if he's in that position to do so. But he just doesn't want him to focus on being a pick and pop or getting out to draw, you know, defending centers out or anything like that. So I think it's fair that he might have taken a little bit of step back from from shooting the three. I, and and maybe I'm misinterpreting where fans might have a little bit of gripe with Casey, you know, saying he's going to shut the three down. Is I wonder if they think that, you know, he's telling Isaiah not to shoot the ball at all, whether that's from mid-range inside the paint or what. Coach Casey is a very 
hot topic right now. And um, I, I shouldn't even say right now, really all season. And, and I'll be honest, I, I try to play the middle ground with Coach Casey. I think a lot of times I end up getting the rep as like a supporter because as a high school coach, obviously I kind of tend to defend coaches a little bit and see it through that lens. I can see some of the gripe at times. Like there's some decisions that in the games. I want to see more ball screens, um, some of those type of things. But I want to I want to talk about Jeremy Grant, Lauren, because he is another person in this organization, a player, obviously, that a lot of fans didn't think we would see post-trade deadline. And I'll be honest with you, some people like that I talked to that weren't very happy that he was still on the team post-trade deadline. They wanted to see him get moved. What what role is Jeremy Grant falling into right now? Like, what is your impression of how he's kind of handled staying on this team after all the trade rumors? Cade kind of taking over this as his team. Sadiq Bey's been playing well. Where, where's Jeremy Grant kind of fitting in? You know, I think that I think that the Boston game was a really good indicator of how those three could coexist. If they, if you know, should the team decide, all right, Jeremy's our guy. We're going to stick with him this off season, and we're going to, you know, pay him when his contract is up. Uh, you know, I think that Boston game can show how much Sadiq, Jeremy, and Cade can all coexist together. Now, one of the things that has been kind of an issue with this team is just consistency. Whether they can consistently do that, you know, I think that's what we need to watch for. But I do think that that Boston game was so... I don't know, that not to, obviously not Saturday's game, but the one before the All-Star yes, break. Yes, yes, yep. It just looked like they were all on the same page the offense was flowing so well, the ball was moving. And I think a lot of people don't give Jeremy enough credit for how well he has been moving the ball recently, because that just doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Um, Unless obviously it records as an assist, but he has gotten better. I mean, he, like with any young team, you know, there are some questionable passes sometimes as you know, the chemistry builds with, with this group. But I think it's fair to say that, you know, Depending on who they draft, you know, in in June, I think that might give us a better indicator of where Troy and the Pistons' heads are at. Um, I think if they go, you know, with the guys that are in the top three, I think it, who is that? Jabari, Paolo, Chet. I think that would I think that would indicate what their decision is and and who they value. So if he's Let's just say if he is an off-season trade, I wouldn't be surprised. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he's still on this team when the season tips off in October. And I agree with you. I do think he has tried to fall. I I hate to use the term fallback, but fall into the role of stand in the corner, make shots off Cade's plays, be a ball mover. Like even in the game Saturday, and and I think the listeners would know you were talking about the Celtics game that the, the Pistons won before the deadline. But even the game on Saturday, he didn't shoot it well, but that was really the issue was just that he didn't shoot it well. Like he just didn't make yeah, shots. He was doing the right looks. Yeah. But he like, just wasn't hitting them. <laughs> like, I don't know if he went 0-6 from three or 0-7, something like that. But it was like, it's not like he was taking ISO threes or in transition. Like they were catching shoot off a lot of times off Cade pick and roll or, you know, ball screen situations. So I do think he's filled that role. I respect that about Jeremy. It can't be easy after what he came, the role he came to Detroit to have. And so... 
You mentioned consistency, though. This is something that I brought up after the Cavs win. And it's like, I'm not saying this team is very good because we know we're they're in the second year of a restoration, but we saw that they can be decent when they have all their players healthy. And even Frank Jackson still isn't yet. But I want to ask you about the second unit. This second unit really intrigues me. Killian Hayes, Frank Jackson, Hamadou Diallo, Marvin Bagley III, Kelly Olynyk. What do you kind of think about those guys? Like, I guess I'll let you take your pick if there's a guy that kind of, we already talked about Bagley, but that you really enjoy watching on a night-to-night basis. I think Diallo is that guy, honestly. And of course, on Saturday, we didn't get to see him play the full game because of that uh, that mistake, that ejection. But I think the fact that he's such a spark plug off the bench, um, I mean, you can really, again, not to use the word impact again, but you can really feel this guy's impact, whether he's in the starting unit or whether he's in the, the second unit. Um, and I think one of the things I enjoy about watching with Diallo is just that he's just a dog on defense. Of course, with a young team, again, sometimes they miss assignments, but the fact that he's had so many steals and, you know, before, um, before the break, especially when they were going through that little COVID outbreak, then he was having multiple games where he was stealing, having like five plus steal, like five or more steals or something like that. And that was crazy. And, you know, that's what the Pistons need. And they're pretty up there when it comes to teams who are able to score off turnovers. But, you know, if this team wants its identity to be built around defense, they need more guys like Diallo. And um, I think, Again, you know, people for, you know, Jeremy is one of those guys as well. But uh, I think one of the things that they also need to work on is just the consistency of being able to capitalize on those turnovers. So let me ask you this in kind of to put you on the spot, if you don't mind, like, do you, you know, Hami, I, th- I believe he has a, a club option this offseason. Do you think, do you see him as like a, when I say like, piece of the core, piece of the puzzle. I'm not saying he's untradeable. I'm not saying he couldn't get packaged in a deal. But do you think Troy Weaver, the organization, see him as uh, as a piece of the puzzle moving forward? Uh, you know, as Troy said last year, when someone asked him about people who are quote-unquote untouchable on the team, no one's untouchable. Um, uh, but I think, you know, Hamadou being one of the guys that Troy Weaver brought in last season you know he specifically went out and traded for him i i would have a hard time especially after the year that he's had he's been he's probably been one of the most consistent players that they've had on this team um night in and night out i i would have a hard time seeing them not picking up his club option again it depends on what happens during free agency especially because they do have a lot of money to spend but I do see Hamadou and Frank Jackson as kind of guys that they want to have in this core, especially guys that they want coming off of the bench. Uh, you know, not to use the word spark plug again, but they are spark plugs because you can really feel the difference when they are on the court. So speaking of defense, let's talk about Killian Hayes a little bit. You know, I talked about Coach Casey kind of being a hot topic. Killian Hayes may be the hottest topic 
in this person <laughs> in this you don't see his name trending on twitter <laughs> uh, oh, oh man like i i sent out a tweet not that this stuff matters but like i sent out a tweet that i didn't even think was very good and it's been the most liked tweet i've ever sent out like the most engaged tweet i've ever had and i i think really is because it was about killing hayes but it was about his defense because lauren i do think he's a very good defender i think he's a disruptive defender what do you think where where's the biggest area of improvement for Killian Hayes? Like if I say Killian Hayes, you know, makes a major impact, let's just say next season, what would it be because like what did he get better at in his game that really came along and allowed him to do that? I think and I think we've seen so many I think we've seen some flashes of it of him being aggressive and how good that usually is. <laughs> so, I think if there is somewhere where you know, I would love to see him take the biggest step. It's doing that. I mean, Dwayne Casey was praising him up and down the floor uh, for how aggressive he was in training camp. And we kind of, we've seen it a little bit here and there. But I think a lot of fans want to see him do that consistently. A lot of people point to his size. He's 6'5". Um, I, can't, I can't think of his weight off the top of my head, but he's a, he's a jacked dude. Let's be real. And, um, you know, he should be going to the line more, especially because he's not the strongest three-point shooter. So driving in, drawing contact, taking, you know, drawing those fouls is really going to be to his advantage. Instead of shying away from contact, use it to your advantage. Um, I think one thing is, is that he's he's a fairly quiet dude. So I don't know if, you know, he he likes having attention on him or not. Um, so I don't know if that's to his detriment or not. I, I was just going to say, like, I, I, I've noticed the same thing. Like, I love when he shows emotion on the court, Lauren. Like, I love when he gives a little bit of swagger. And, and, and there's going to be some good and bad with that. Like, if you start to show your emotion, sometimes it will come out in a negative way, maybe even towards your coach or your teammates. Like, I'm okay with it. Like, Give me the emotion, Killian Hayes, and I'm all for that because I know at the end of the day, even though maybe every once in a while he looks, you see that in a negative way, the positives are going to outweigh that because you can see when he's feeling himself and he has a little bit of swagger, he plays better. So I am all for like the the, the emotional, you know, not quiet Killian Hayes. I agree. I, and, and not to use the word entertaining, but he's far more entertaining to yes, watch yes. than it actually, you know, offensively, he does really well driving to the basket, uh, drawing the fouls. His three starts to fall and then his defense gets better. It's just kind of like one of those uh, snowball effects if he starts to starts to start feeling himself. So uh, I don't know, you know, if if they'll work with him, um, you know, the Pistons have a guy, Corey Yeager, Dr. Corey Yeager on staff. He's like their team psychologist. I don't know if they'll you know, have Killian work with him a little bit more um, this off season to try and get him out of his head a little bit more. Because again, another person I think people forget, Killian's only 20. <laughs> uh, he's only 20. I mean, how many people knew who they were when they were 20 years old? Yes. Other than Cade Cunningham, not very other many, than right? Cade Cunningham. <laughs> and that, that's, that's probably what Cade, like, this is not a knock on Cade whatsoever, but like if it almost makes it harder on the other guys because he's made the transition so seeming, seamlessly that it's like, well, why haven't these other, like Cade is just, you know, it, that doesn't happen a lot. Um, 
Uh, you brought up Frank Jackson a little bit earlier. If I'm a huge Frank Jackson fan, I really like his game. I like, like you say, the spark plug, the instant offense. Um, I will not dare say microwave because I know that's reserved for another for a Pistons legend. So I will not say that. But I I do like his game. What's the status of his injury? Because I almost feel like he went from like probable on Thursday to questionable on Saturday. Like, was there a setback or like what's kind of going on there? You know, Dwayne didn't go into too much detail about what the setback was, but he mentioned that, you know, first it was his back and he was dealing with back spasms and then it was his shoulder. So, you know, sometimes, you know, with injuries and you, you know, you were you a D1 player, you know that sometimes when, you know, one thing is injured and you keep playing through it, other parts of your body start to compensate because, you know, you're not 100%. Absolutely. So, I'm not going to speculate because I'm not his doctor, but I do have to wonder if maybe he'd been feeling the back spasms for a little bit longer than we thought. And, um, you know, it just flared up and then it just started to spread. And, you know, they want to take the cautious route and make sure everything's in tip top shape before before him getting back in. And who knows, you know, Dwayne said he hopes that he plays tomorrow night. So that's a game that they'll really need him in. So as opposed to, you know, tonight or today, excuse me, not that they didn't need him tonight. I'm sure they did, but you know, they want to get him going because the last two games that they played against uh, Charlotte, they got blown out by what, 30 and 29 or something like that. So the defense is going to have to show up, Lauren, that is for sure. um, Tonight against Charlotte, uh, I, I do. I would be remiss not to mention, like Rodney Magruder hasn't played too bad in his place. He has like not. he has been shooting the ball, and uh, I, I don't know. Like it, you you like to see those. Like he's a to steal from George Blaha. He just seems like a pros pro. He's ready whenever his number is called. You know, you know, going all the way back to like where he got traded to the Nuggets, and then he didn't get traded to the Nuggets. Like you just. There's something I enjoy seeing that for Rodney Magruder and seeing some success from him. I agree. I mean, I know, you know, fans, if it were if they were the coach of the Pistons, they just play all of the young guys no matter what. But, you know, at the end of the day, you do need those veterans who are savvy in, you know, not just their skills on the court, but their skills off the court. And Rodney has shown that he is both of those guys. And, you know, you can ask up and down the roster you know, what they thought about that trade. And a, and a lot of people, you know, I'm pretty sure they were pretty happy he was back. So, you know, he, he really does add a lot to that locker room. But also, as you mentioned, he's shooting really well, shooting, you know, close to 43% from three. And, and they need that. I think he hit like three threes on, on Saturday or... Yeah, I think like uh, oh, between... Sorry. The- he was one of three, but there was a game... The Cleveland game, he was four for four. The Cleveland game, he was four for four. So, you know, they they need more of that, especially because three-point shooting has been so streaky with this team. They need that guy who can be consistent. Absolutely. So you mentioned veteran. I want to ask you about Kelly Olenek because I'll be honest, like I was cool with that signing. I thought he would bring something to the team offensively, like some flow. Like, I know he's not a long-term piece. I get that. But I thought he would help the development of the young players just because he provided floor spacing, a smart basketball IQ guy, a guy that you put in the second unit but maybe finish his games. And Lauren, like, he just has not looked himself since the injury and COVID protocol. You're there in person. You get, you know – 
essentially front row seats to the games. Like, what do you see with Kelly Olynyk on the floor? Does it look like he's not moving well? Does it like is there frustration? What what is it with Kelly Olynyk right now? I wouldn't even go as far as to say that he's not moving well. It just seems like his head is. And this is just my observation. You know, obviously I'm not in Kelly's head, but from my observation, it just doesn't seem like he's sometimes always there. If that makes any sense. Um, you know, there, there are a couple passes today that he bobbled and, you know, that resulted in turnovers and you're kind of like, just catch the ball, <laughs> you know, just get your hands on the ball. Um, and I think one of those actually resulted in Cade getting his fifth foul because he, he, he missed the ball and, and, and it went out of bounds and, or, or somebody picked it up and took it down court and Kate did a take foul. But, you know, I think a lot of people have just seen that that injury definitely took, a, and I, I don't even think it's the injury. I think it, I think it's COVID because he came back from the sprained MCL and he looked great in those two games. I believe yeah. it was Sacramento and then and he's Sacramento and he had a great game. First game back. Yeah. Yeah, I think he played Sacramento. I played. I think he played in the Sacramento game and the Utah game, and he looked great in both. And so, I think that I think that's kind of a reminder to us a little bit that we don't know the extent of how much COVID can affect us. I'm not going to speculate and say that, you know, it totally messed him up, but I think the evidence is clear that it did. It did a number on his body. I think I feel like that's fair to say because he just hasn't looked the same. I, I we have a player on our high school team who um, I think is still feeling the effects from having it before Christmas and and it's just it, it's his stamina like he just can't always you know he works his butt off but it just doesn't seem like he's in as good a shape as what he should be and then it goes to his legs and so yeah it is one of those things it's it, you, I don't think we'll ever know for sure but it like you say it, it, it makes you wonder one final question here before I let you go Lauren and enjoy your Saturday evening I want to ask about Isaiah Livers Isaiah Livers is a guy that Pistons fans are have been excited about obviously a Michigan guy University of Michigan guy um what is his status? I think there was a clip from the Motor City Cruise game where he, he put one on, you know, the, the the opponent's head the other day. There's been there's been chatter about him getting some minutes with the, the Pistons. What what have you heard about that? What do you know about that in terms of Isaiah Livers? Yeah, I think um, so. A couple of days ago, the first practice after the All Star break that we were able to go ahead and um, talk to Dwayne and everything and the and the players is, you know, Dwayne has said that he wants to get a look at those guys, especially in these last twenty three, twenty two games. So I think fans will get a chance to see. I think, and I'm not saying this is what's going to happen. Uh, I just want to preface that, but I wouldn't be surprised if we kind of see something similar to what happened last season where they started to shut some veterans down. So I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing, I wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing a little bit less of Corey Joseph and a little bit more Saban Lee, you know, especially as the final games start to to come to us. I wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing a little less of Kelly Olenek and more of Luca Garza more of Chris Smith, more of Isaiah Livers. Um, just because, again, Dwayne wants to get a look at those guys and see how they could impact this team. And, you know, the vets, they don't need as many minutes as some of the younger guys. And I think th- those were probably some of the most fun times Pistons had last year is just watching those young guys played out. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised 
if it goes either way and they decide decide to start going that route and, and start shutting some veterans down. I should ask that question first, Lauren, because that is that is that is the stuff that all the fans wanted to hear more. More Saban Lee minutes, more Luca Garza minutes, Isaiah, like, and, and again, as Lauren said, she's not saying like, don't take that to the bank. Yeah, um, please I, don't. I don't want to, I don't want to overstate it either, but I know, I know listeners and fans ears are going to perk up whenever they hear Saban Lee, Luca Garza. And, and I'll be honest, as a fan, I, I enjoy watching those guys too. And, and I don't have as big a problem with Corey Joseph as a lot of fans. He's been shooting the ball lights out. He does a lot of little, like he's one of the better rotation box out guys. Um, he may, he does a lot of little things. There's some frustrating things as well, but you get to the last 10, 15 games. I wouldn't hate seeing Saban Lee, Chris Smith, Isaiah Livers. Exactly. Guys, I, I wouldn't hate seeing that. And it honestly, it, it would make a lot of sense to see those guys exactly. as well. I mean, the thing is, the Pistons, we know the Pistons aren't going to the playoffs. So, you know, we. I think Dwayne kind of knows who this team is for the most part. Um, and so, I again, it's, it's not final word. I'm not in the front office. I'm not in the coaching rooms having these discussions with, with K- Coach Casey and his staff. But I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that happens. Absolutely. Lauren, man, th- this was awesome. This was a whole lot of fun. I was smiling the whole time. The 45 minutes went fast. Um, thank you. And uh, I want to give you a chance here. Let everybody know where they can find you on social media and all the work that you do. So on Twitter, you guys can find me at Williams Lauren L. Believe it or not, there are a lot of Lauren Williams <laughs> out there. And so I had a hard time... Uh, even ending up on that handle just because I went through so many iterations, but finally figured it out. Williams Lauren L at Twitter. Um, Would love to see you guys come over, ask questions and I'll answer them, you know, the best that I can or as much as I can. Um, Meaning I'm allowed to answer. Uh, But yeah, that's, you know, that's where you guys can find me and please, please read my stuff at um, mlive.com. Yeah. Let's see you guys there. Absolutely. Make sure you give her a follow. As soon as you get done listening to the episode, I follow her on Twitter, just like all the other beat writers. She's tweeting the stuff out during the games. Can't ever get enough Pistons content. So make sure you follow Lauren on Twitter. Go read her stuff at M Live. As always, I want to thank Wes Davenport for everything he does for myself and Motor City Hoops. And one last time, I do want to confirm that he will be making the move to the Pistons Pulse with me. You can catch the first episode of that on Tuesday, March 1st, where Amari Sankofa II and myself will be talking Pistons Post All-Star break, our NBA Draft Top 5, and answer a few mailbag questions in our And One segment. And to all of you, a final thank you to everyone who made the Motor City Hoop podcast what it became. When I set out on this journey, I never could have imagined it would have come this far, and I'm enjoying every second of it. To every supporter, listener, guest, contributor, fan that has reached out via Twitter, Facebook, or the Detroit Bad Boys website, thank you. Seriously, thank you so much for letting me live out my childhood dream of having a platform to talk about sports. Make sure you continue to listen to Laz and Ben every Monday on the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, and I really hope that you will follow us to the Pistons Pulse every Tuesday. For the last time on Motor City Hoops, thank you, go Pistons, and we'll talk to you soon. Pistons lead three, and they have to double three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips, here he is, and he's got it.